Now this this was the eighth year, right? Eighth and, year of the you, festival. You were saying the other day that it's the biggest one so far, right? It was a big. Well, we ha- it was a little bit bigger back when we um, premiered the Big Five Dive. Okay. But that was two years ago, I think. But um, it's. I mean, it's been a success and growing every year. Growing. That's what. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Now we were wondering: is that strictly because of the? Great Dive Podcast showing up this year. Do you Absolutely. feel is that one of the major contributors Strictly. to that happening? 100%. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. And we're thrilled to have you guys back next year for sure. Okay, good. It good. Was with a place of prominence in the exhibits. Yeah, we'll do something fun. It's Puerto Rican. Okay. Um, And I should say it, Gonduya. The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. Gonduya. We're here for the film festival. Almost done. These are hard questions. This is the hardest one yet. Okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast. You're here with another exclusive checkout dive. This time with Stephanie... Gandoya. Are you are you pronouncing that right, James? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, she goes by uh, Gandula, but remember she, we were having the conversation. Yes. With her that, uh, actually, that part of the, her name is from uh, Puerto Rican heritage that she has. In it. Stephanie from good old Thunder Bay National Marine Sanctuary, the, the NOAA. National Marine Sanctuary up in Alpena, Michigan. She is a maritime archaeologist up there and a media coordinator for the museum and the sanctuary. And we had the opportunity to spend some time up there with her, have a chat about diving up there in the beautiful shipwrecks of the beautiful Great Lakes. Uh, we did this when we were up there for the Thunder Bay International Film Festival. Which, if you haven't had the chance or you don't know about it, uh, check out the website. Fantastic. I don't know about you, James, but I was blown away. I uh, was way more than I ever expected. The films were great. The uh, people were great. Uh, and there was a, a good attendance. There's a lot of folks there. Yeah, especially for the that, that big Friday night kickoff gala was wonderful. Brando and I got invited up there this year as guests and and uh, with some press passes. We were up there uh, doing this interview with her. Uh, we got to take part in the show, got to watch all the different films that were going on, meet a ton of people, and we are definitely going back up again next year for the film festival. We had a great time. We're going to do even more stuff next year. And I would say that that museum is probably probably my favorite museum in Michigan. I mean, that's just a, such a cool feeling to walk into that NOAA National Marine Sanctuary Museum that they have up there. 
especially with that huge ship that you can walk in and around and on and through. It's a, an exciting museum to just to attend. Yeah, the exhibits are fantastic from the shipwreck mu- uh, exhibits to the uh, there's the diving portion of it, which yeah. uh, spectacular. I mean, great stuff. We have a couple of great museums here in Michigan, but I'd agree this NOAA museum tops them. It's, uh, yeah, it's a, a great experience. So take a listen. We hope you guys enjoy this interview with Stephanie. Yeah. Take it away, Stephanie. Plymouth Rock. <laughs> Very cool. Okay. So um, welcome to... Uh, the Great Dot Podcast, Stephanie. Thank you. It's uh, wonderful to be here. Uh, we are here with Stephanie Gandula from the NOAA Marine Heritage Sanctuary. It's a lot How of words. It's a lot of words. It's in a there, lot right? of words, and it's you kind of blended both of our titles. So we are NOAA's Thunder Bay National Marine Sanctuary, headquartered at the Great Lakes Maritime Heritage Center. Got it. And you are officially a... Um, a research coordinator? Officially, the, uh, yep. Uh, archaeologist. One of the archaeologists. We have a whole bunch of them here. Okay. Well, yep. Um, the education coordinator, The uh, you know most of the staff is maritime. They are maritime archaeologists. So, And then we have different roles. So I do work with media, and I'm also the research coordinator. Excellent. And you also have a little dive shop here in town, mm-hmm. right? That's right. On the side, my husband and I run uh, Great Lakes Divers, which is the longest continuously operating dive shop in northeast Michigan. Fantastic. So a um, lot of shipwreck diving up here in this area. Absolutely. This is a um, world-class shipwreck diving destination, I'd like to think. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, it, it definitely well, is. It definitely it is. is. This is, you know, Brandon always says that this is where he really cut his teeth with uh-huh. getting going with shipwreck diving. And for me, you know, my folks are up in this area, so mm-hmm. I would come up a lot. And we used to dive Thunder Bay a whole lot in the, the early 2000s, late 90s. It was a real popular mm-hmm. destination for us, but there was a there was a bigger operation running in town, mm-hmm. so boats could get out a lot more, and that's kind of died away a little bit mm-hmm. for this area. It, it has, but I do think you're right. I mean, the special thing about Thunder Bay is you can come cut your teeth for mm-hmm. shipwreck diving because there's shipwrecks that are eight feet deep. Right. All yeah, shallow. it's got everything. Yeah, yeah yep. everything. The shallow, the deep, the schooners, the freighters, you know. Wooden wrecks, steel wrecks. We've yeah, really got you can it all. certainly come up here with the whole family. Absolutely. Right? And, you know, uh, a couple people can go do some shallow shipwrecks. A couple people can go do some really deep, advanced technical shipwrecks. Mm-hmm. Uh, grandma and Grandpa can go do the glass-bottom boat, right? And everybody at the end of the day can all sit around and, and talk about the shipwrecks that they've done and both ends of the spectrum and everywhere in between. Right? Absolutely, and the maritime heritage doesn't stop at the shipwrecks because there's the lighthouses. There are seven lighthouses within the sanctuary boundaries. Wow. So um, amazing lighthouses to visit. So. Yeah, very cool, very cool. And um, how long have you been diving yourself? I've been diving since 1997. I got certified in Craig, Alaska. So how long ago was that? That's like 10 years ago, maybe? <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> it feels like it. <laughs> yesterday. That's yeah. over 20 years ago. How did I that know, happen? Isn't it crazy? How did that happen? Yeah. Yeah, so, so that's, when I, that's when I started diving, a long time ago. And I, I started diving before I had any idea that there was even the possibility of a career in underwater archaeology. I just wanted to go explore and um, fell in love with diving right away, as we all do, I think, as soon as you dive yes. in. Yes. 
When did you first dive shipwrecks up here? 2010. Okay. So much, much later. So when I first started, um, I didn't dive a lot. I was, I'm from Montana, so I was living in Montana. And so there, there is water in, in Montana, and there's, there is diving. <laughs> there are actually shipwrecks in Montana, too. But uh, I would travel mainly from Montana to do diving. So I would just dive a few times a year on, on vacations. And then when I decided to become an underwater archaeologist, that's obviously when I really started diving a lot. Got it. And then you got the job here at the NOAA facility, mm-hmm. and that's what led you to the shipwrecks of the Great Lakes then. That's right, yes. Got it. And the awareness, like I had grown up in the West and diving different spots around the world. I've been diving in the Mediterranean, the Caribbean, the Arctic. You know, people uh, don't really know about the Great Lakes. It's amazing. I mean, you leave here. I didn't know about the Great Lakes. When I went to graduate school, I expected that I'd be doing archaeology in the ocean. And then I got a fellowship up here in Thunder Bay, and I was like, well, where is this Alpena? Never heard of Alpena. (laughs) Why would I go to (laughs) Michigan for shipwrecks and underwater archaeology? And, And then you get here, and you see that the rich, rich maritime history that is here and I mean, the important story that these shipwrecks tell about, um, you know, it's everybody's story. Mm -hmm. It's America's history right here in in Thunder Bay. And uh, that's what we work hard to do here is just tell tell that story. For decades, I've seen people around the world, and nobody can conceptualize the size of the Great Lakes. Mm -hmm. So true. They just think it's a a backyard lake. lake. I thought that. It's a really big backyard lake. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, it's a lake. Right. (laughs) And it's not. They shouldn't be. That does not do them justice to call they them lakes. They should be called seas. Freshwater inland seas. Yes. Sweetwater seas. Right? Oh, I like that. Yeah. 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 Sweetwater. Sweetwater seas. seas. We're spoiled here. We don't nice. have to rinse our dive gear. I tell you, we still should probably. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm lazy now. <laughs> I know it. it makes you very lazy. <laughs> I haven't in years. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Actually, I mean, there's other reasons to rinse. I was going to say, actually, I use this water to rinse my gear. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. You come back from. Yeah. A, ocean trip right just take a dip here real quick right yeah all right well let's get into this little interview thing that we wanted to do here so yeah (laughs) no it was was just small talk oh i see okay okay so you have a pretty awesome job in that you also have a career in scuba diving Mm -hmm. which is something that even the, the littlest job in scuba diving, if when you talk to people, when, when they hear that, everybody gets excited that you have something cool of a, of a job to do. But um, what would you say has been your biggest contributor to being successful as a diver hmm. and being able to have a career in scuba diving? Right off the bat, I would say flexibility. You know, my you know not having expectations that um, limited what I was willing to do or where I was willing to go. And talking about the Great Lakes, you know, I had expected when I was in graduate school and, you know, studying underwater archaeology and maritime heritage, I expected to be working in the ocean. You know, I imagined, you know, being in the Caribbean. And um, you think of those those fun movies like Fool's Gold, which, you know, I'm really not supposed to admit that I love. (laughs) But I do. Um, And that's what you imagine. And then when I was... um, confronted with the opportunity to work for the National Marine Sanctuary System. I, I didn't know much about it. I didn't know anything about the Great Lakes. And I could have been like, well, that's not what I was expecting. I'm not going to you know, branch out into something new. And that, I think, the willingness to explore new things and new places and, and new opportunities has really led to my job here today, for sure. 
Very cool. So not having any preconceived notions about what the diving was going to be. Right. And because you went from being like a traveling warm water diver right. to you're in the thick of it as far as cold water mm-hmm. environment goes. And you've done a couple of pretty cool expeditions uh, trips. I remember we talked about last time. Yes. Right, the Sedna? Sedna. That's right. I was, I'm an advisor now, but I was very fortunate to be part of the Sedna expedition team, um, which is bringing the ocean to eye level for Inuit communities in the Arctic. And um, that's a a group led by Susan Eaton, who is a um, a Canadian journalist and explorer, amazing woman who has inspired a lot of other women to join her cause to uh, snorkel, do a snorkel relay of the Northwest Passage. Which is pretty crazy endeavor, right? I mean, yeah, that's yeah. eighteen hundred miles, and the the goal was to is to raise awareness about climate change because now this this passage is free of ice for the first time in our in thousands of years. Wow! wow. So, which is scary, right? I right. mean, there's cruise ships now that are that are doing this passage, and um, and it's all because of climate change mm. and and the diminishing sea ice because of our warming planet. And so that was her. That's her plan to um, get a group of, of women, all different fields: doctors, lawyers, bankers, all scuba divers who love our ocean and our Great Lakes, and who want to raise awareness to protect them, and also to work with um, the local Arctic communities and learn from them because they're on the they're on the front lines mm-hmm. of climate change. Yeah, no doubt about it. For sure. And so what, what my part was, was bringing uh, underwater robots up to the Arctic. And um, the, our tagline was, you know, bringing the ocean to eye level. So we, we had the community work with us to build these underwater robots right on the shore and then deploy them in the water right there. So, you know, a lot of the children, a lot of the older folks there, none of them had really seen underwater. Some, I know some of them dive, of course. Um, but a lot of folks hadn't. A lot of folks here, most people haven't seen what's, what's underwater. And so to be a part of a group that was exposing the beautiful underwater world to these communities was really special. And, I, I mean, the Arctic is one of my most favorite places, and I'm dying to go back someday. Yeah, we'd love to. We did a, uh, an episode about the North Pole, diving the North oh, Pole. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. There was a Canadian expedition oh. that went up there. McGinnis? Yeah. Is that the, the dude that led the expedition? Yeah, I think you. But they had expedition. a. They had yeah. a. Okay. This was back in like the seventies. Oh. And they uh, they took this Eskimo guy. Didn't know how to dive. Right. They wanted to take him diving though. <laughs> Remember that mm-hmm. scene? You can watch it. I'll send you a link to it. Yes, yeah, um, but but they video. basically okay. take this guy and they just, like just shove a regulator in his Jeez. mouth and throw him in the water. Throw him in the water. <laughs> oh, He's man. got no clue there and. <laughs> It's ice diving. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's not just it's an open right. water dive. It's not right. in a pool first. It's right. cutting a hole in the ice and took right. took the guy in. Okay. That's a side story. That happens. But um, I've, I've, I've been colder here diving, I'll tell you that, than I was in the Arctic diving. I mean, it was 29, it, yeah. 29 degrees in the water there, but I feel I was maybe more mentally prepared because I was diving in the Arctic, you know. Okay, and, right, right. Um, so I was cold. I mean, I was fine because I, you know, there's no such thing as cold water, right? Only inappropriate gear. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so I was, it was great, 29 degrees, but I've been very cold on the surface here. Like if you're diving right. in November and you come up, right? Yeah, you want yeah. to, the water's warmer than the cold, A lot of times, bitter wind. I think the the worst part of getting cold is 
the time on the surface yes. before the dive mm-hmm. can either make or break mm-hmm. the underwater time for sure. Mm-hmm. And in between dives. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. So when did you realize that you wanted to make scuba diving a major part of your life? That you, you made the switch? Well, I don't think it was like a conscious switch. Like it was a, an, at least as I reflect, it wasn't like today's the day that I'm going to, you know, make scuba diving a big part of my life. It was a development of things. So my undergraduate degree is in English literature. And so I didn't really have, it's not a real marketable degree. So I did a whole bunch of things. And, you know, I traveled a lot. I did freelance writing, freelance photography. I, I bartended. I used to do asphalt construction. So I did a whole bunch of different things. With my English degree. And, um, <laughs> oh, yeah, asphalt's a big part of my background. It is. And and I apply those those lessons learned in asphalt construction to a lot of things, like dive projects. Say, that's how everything in life is. Everything yeah, connects it does. like this. Yeah. And it yeah, contributes. All those different things that I did led me to where I'm at and have um, made me success, successful in um, the things that I do today. So... It wasn't, I guess, to answer your question, it wasn't like, a, you know, today's the day I'm going to make scuba diving a, a part of my life. It just was a development that I'm, I'm, I'm working hard to do the things I enjoy, and um, and here I am. Okay, so you were a diver. I was like a, I'm not even a real that active diver. That kind of diver. worked into yeah. a role right. as diving full-time, I guess. Yes, and right? I saw an, a way to blend my humanities background with diving, and that was kind of a an opportunity I saw well geez I've got this humanities degree I can I can you know turn that into an archaeology career because they're pretty related you know history English literature sort of related humanities you know not hard sciences and um and then I when I learned that I could add throw some diving in there and have fun I thought well I'll do that (laughs) so I wouldn't I'm not one of those like very career-minded um have a set plan, you know, graduate from high school, go to college, you know, get married, have buy a house, have kids, mm-hmm. and have this, you know, nine-to-five job. And I respect people that do that, but my brain has never worked that way. I was just like, I'm kind of, it sounds irresponsible, mm-hmm. but I was kind of like uh, looking to enjoy myself. I think you're <laughs> to two guys that have that right. exact same philosophy. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, very much. Speaking mm-hmm. for myself, I was the same way. Went to college. I was mm-hmm. like, I don't want to. Yeah. I'll go in this military. Ah, it's good. I'll go do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> go diving. Went to commercial school. Anyway, same kind of thing. Yeah. Same like, I didn't want to feel like uh, fenced in, mm-hmm. in mentally. For sure. Having to go for this one career. Right. So, that's great. I mean. Or the, kinda, you know, traditional path. You exactly. Know? Yeah. I, that's, I mean, I tell my kids that. Yeah. And my wife is the opposite. She's the, you know, Crudely. she is the yeah. traditional Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, we had this discussion. <laughs> but so it's not irresponsible, is what I'm getting at. It's, okay, gotcha. No, Thank no, you. definitely. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say irresponsible. Well, it's following your, I guess, following your. Because um, anybody that you would talk to out there, mm-hmm. you know, in the museum, uh, at a restaurant here in town, at the community art project, and, and you spoke with them and said that you have this career in scuba diving. The first words out of their mouth wouldn't be irresponsible. irresponsible. You're right. It would okay. be, "Oh, you have such yeah. a cool, yeah, you have such a cool job." Yeah. So nobody would take it as irrespo- irresponsible. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, let's talk about diving a little bit. Okay. So, all of us have 
strengths and weaknesses, mm-hmm. you know, at, just in life and definitely as, as divers. What would you say that is not your strongest point mm-hmm. as, a, as a scuba diver? Meaning, like, the thing that you always have to remind yourself of or something that you make sure that you do right every time that, that isn't just off the cuff getting in the water. Hmm. <clears throat> you know, that, that makes, yeah. that really uh, lets people know that you are still a real person. So a couple things that come to mind right away would be I would like to be better at research about diving, you know, that you can always learn more. I've been diving for over 20 years. You know, I've all sorts of diving, different diving. I'm a dive instructor. But that doesn't mean I've learned it all. You know, there's always I, – I, I'd like to be better at researching and reading about diving and – um, learning more about diving and not getting lazy in that. I don't think I'm a lazy diver, but um, and I'd, I'd like to think I'm prepared when I dive. I, I work hard to make sure, you know, you double, triple check your gear, you double, tri- triple check your plan with your dive buddies. Um, but I guess on the, you know, the shore side of things, on your, your surface intervals, I'd like to be a little bit better at taking that diving, you know, in doing it all the time, thinking mm-hmm. about it more, researching more, just always becoming a better diver. There is a way to do that, though, and you listen to the Great Dive Podcast. I think that's exactly that will help you. <laughs> <laughs> now I know. Got to get well, that plug um, in. <laughs> well, you, you make a point of like not being lazy, um, and, and I, I would say that there is a lot of complacency that goes on mm-hmm. with divers, mm-hmm. right? And that's one of the things that we do talk a lot about on the show, how easy it is mm-hmm. to get overconfident and set rules aside because they don't apply to you because they haven't had an issue yet. So being being and saying those things, I think, are important for a lot of listeners that have that reminder of it's good to always be working extra hard on that double, triple check mm-hmm. and not being lazy. Right. And it takes it takes a little bit of work right. to remind yourself of, of not getting into that groove of getting right. lost, right? That slump. Yeah. And I think I've, I've sort of hit a, like maybe a few years ago, we'd be doing the same dives all the time. You know, we put mooring buoys on over 40 of the shipwrecks mm-hmm. here in the sanctuary. And so those are really routine dives. You know, we've done it. You can do it without thinking about it. And... I mean, I've never had any issues with those dives at all, but I should still respect those dive operations and treat them like real the, dives, like real yeah, dives. and like it's the dives. first time I'm doing it. Just because you've done it 200 times doesn't mean you still shouldn't go through all the checklists. <laughs> right, right. And uh, even though you've done it a bunch of times, you're still exiting a pressurized world, <laughs> right. right? So we still have to come up and get out of the water clean, mm-hmm. regardless of mm-hmm. how routinely the time right. you just spent underwater was, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, because we talk about that a lot in the the show is so many people get focused on the dive that they're doing, right? The the coolness of being on the coral reef and Mm -hmm. seeing the manta rays or uh, on the shipwreck that the reason that they're there is strictly for that experience and getting out of the water, making the ascent, doing the safety stops, the decompression is looked as like a, a tedious hassle that they mm-hmm. have to deal with mm-hmm. rather than what we try to really bring to light is that's really the dive at the end, right? Mm-hmm. So what you've done underwater is kind of based around the end, which is where all the work is mm-hmm. of getting out. And the beginning, too, and the yeah. planning and making sure you've, you've you know, planned it properly and discussed the plan with your team, with your buddies. 
It's a beginning and end, I would say. Yeah, very good. Um, you mentioned always wanting to learn more. Mm-hmm. So is, is there more training and stuff that you want to do? Even here you are as a scuba instructor, store mm-hmm. owner, archaeologist, shipwreck marker, buoy <laughs> attacher. <laughs> a lot of people would think you're already there at the top. Well, I'm not a technical diver. Um, and so I'm, I haven't decided. I kind of made a path or um, a decision when I became a dive instructor. I was like, do I want to invest because, you know, these are, it's an investment. You know? Oh, you better believe it, yeah. And do I want to take, you know, I had a choice. I was like, do I invest in advanced training in the technical side, like for myself, or do I invest invest in becoming an instructor? Um, and if you'd asked me 10 years ago, I would have said, I'm never going to be an instructor. I have no interest in that at all. And because of the dive shop, I made that decision to do the instructor route, and I like it so much more than I ever expected that I would. Teaching? Teaching, yeah. yeah. In fact, I, I remember when I was first learning to dive, I was like, oh, my God, I would never want to be an instructor and be responsible for these morons. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I don't mean morons like, but I mean, it's... it's and right, and now you're like, gather around, right. morons. <laughs> morons. I want to take that back now. <laughs> I don't mean that. But I mean, brand new baby divers, I mean, it's it's you're, you're yeah. underwater with them, and... They're so excited, and so it's hard to, you know, as you guys know very well, yes, you've yes. got to wrangle them, and it's um, it's much more re- rewarding than I ever thought it would be. Mm-hmm. So there's always something, back to your question, there's always something I could learn better, and maybe it's not just the next uh, certification or the a deeper certification, another technical um, level. I think it's, um, there's so much to learn about diving beyond that. I mean, there's there's the philosophy behind it there's um all the the um the medical and um the physiology of it i wish i knew more about that um i mean i've got the the, you know the i guess the basics i should have the basics if i'm an instructor right which i do but i mean even more i mean there's so much to read there's so much out there um and i guess one of my latest endeavors is free diving really and i have really enjoyed learning to to free dive and i remember when my husband was you know, first getting into it, and he's like, oh, we should, you know, bring this class to Alpena, Michigan, and, and he wanted to get certified to 100 feet, and I was like, why? I've been diving for scuba diving for 20 years. Why Why would I not have a tank? <laughs> why would I not bring the air that I need with me? And after doing the free diving classes, um, I've fallen in love with it, and just the whole, um, the whole, diff- like, the zen of free diving is so, it's so cool, and um, I free dive much more then I scuba dive on my own time now. So I scuba dive for work and then, you know, with teaching. But I find if I have a choice, sometimes I'll, I'll be like, well, I think I think let's go free diving today instead of instead of scuba diving. On most of the wrecks up here? You know. Is, is that what you're doing or just? Yeah. we Yeah, pretty much we'll go out. Um, there's a number of shallow wrecks out here in Thunder Bay. So we can, my husband Nick is much better at it. So he can go to about 100 feet. I, my max has been 50. So, but there's wrecks here that are, you know, like I said, 10 feet deep, 20 right, feet yeah. deep. So we'll go out here, and the, the spearfishing is amazing on these shallow wrecks, which I'm not a spear fisherman yet. I'm a little bit of a chicken. I don't, I'm, I'm kind of a softie. I will eat the fish that other people spear, but, um, and I will carry a spear gun with me, but I have not yet successfully shot one or uh, even aimed at one. Aimed. I see them, and I know how to work the guns. <laughs> right. Maybe next time we talk, I will have, I will have a shot one. 
<laughs> but yes, the wrecks. So the free diving the wrecks out here is um, is really cool, and that's a very you know it's a growing sport for sure. Mm-hmm. Do you guys free dive? Not professionally. Gotcha. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've free dove for years. Yeah. But I've, I've never taken a free diving mm-hmm. class or, or really tried to hone it mm-hmm. in. I mean, I mean, I, I do it breath hold. I, mean, I just right. considered it breath hold diving. You know? Right, right, right. There was a period. I know you were getting into yeah. it, and I started to get into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But James got into it pretty good, I thought. For I was just doing it on my own. Yeah, right. Back in the old uh, Pippin Ferraras days, oh, remember yeah. those days? Oh, I mean, he was uh, kind of all the rage there for a little while. Right. I mean, the breath hold, even the, just the breathing techniques, and the, yeah. um, I think that's pretty fascinating. And Well, no doubt about it. It's a, it's a huge part of my philosophy in scuba mm. is that mental preparedness. Mm-hmm. Yes. That getting into that zen-like breathing pattern, mm-hmm. that, that yogic breathing pattern is mm-hmm. very, very important for getting longer breath holds and deeper dives, but it works just as importantly for... Normal breathing on scuba, for right. sure, yeah. It's made me a better scuba diver, for sure. I would bet, yeah, yeah. Not, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Looking back on where you are today, right, as this underwater research archaeologist, scuba dive shop owner, um, diver here in the uh, beautiful Great Lakes, is there, knowing all you that you've accomplished... Is there something that you would have changed along the way Hmm. if you could? You know, I think I have a simple answer, and I think I would dive more. Okay. You know, I mean, I I never tire of diving, and I think I could have have been diving more. Yeah, because you were certified, you said, in 97? 97. Mm -hmm. And it was 2010? When I started my job here at the sanctuary. Okay, so that's, what, 13 years of... Of being a certified diver before you really took the career in scuba diving. Yeah. So in that time, you just did a couple of just a handfuls of of trips here and there. Right. Not a lot. I mean, I did I did some, but I could have done a lot more. I I guess what if I you know knew then what I know now, I would um, I would dive more. I feel like. I don't think there's an age limit on diving, and I know, I mean, we certified a 75-year-old man a couple summers ago, and he's out diving all the time, and we hear about that, so there's no age limit. But you do start to feel a little bit older, <laughs> you right. know? Oh, no doubt about and, that. Um, I, I, I wish I had done more um, what I would call fun dives. I do think all the dives are, are fun, whether they're work or teaching, um, but more, maybe more exploration and more committing myself to it earlier, maybe. Yeah, I, I hear you, right, because... If, especially when you look at the resources that you have here now, right. like to know that oh, if I would have known mm-hmm. where I was going to be, boy, I could have really prepped myself mm-hmm. to really come in and dive right in, so to say. Right. I get you. I get you. I might have a different answer. If you would ask me that tomorrow, I might have a different answer. But that's, but that's what occurs to me right off the bat. I think a large portion of our listeners would have that same answer mm-hmm. of, I wish I do would would have been diving more mm-hmm. than I have. I don't, I don't think there's anybody that would say they wish they would have done yeah. less diving. I right. wish I would have worked in an office. <laughs> right, and uh, yeah, it just doesn't happen. You know, I have I, another thought. I wish I would have included my family. Like I have a niece and nephew, and I'm 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 going to teach them to dive. But my you know my sister, those three. I wish I could. You know, maybe include them more, expose them more to this world that I love 
you know, it's not too late all, to do we that. We all try, but it we, yeah. never seems to work, does it? <laughs> <laughs> it's the, the, the scuba diver tends to be the black sheep of the family in many ways. Cause, Sometimes. Because I am so, I'm really? so passionate yeah, about it, but... I'm like the only one in my family. Everybody else just looks at me, I and that's did, that yeah. silly thing that right. that I go do. I'm about the same way. I, mean, right. I did get, I did certify my daughter, mm-hmm. who actually went to college and took marine biology. Oh, cool! You know, she graduated. Um, she's not going to be a marine biologist. Okay. She's going to go to med school now. Oh, but uh, wow! I, I think she went. You know, what am I going to do as a marine biologist? <laughs> How am I going to buy stuff? Um, <laughs> <All right. laughs> Feed myself. <laughs> but. I think, you know, she was one that I, my boy, I certified him, but uh-huh. he, he's like, uh. Yeah, that's the thing dad does. Yeah, yeah. And anyway, long story short is, mm-hmm. it is, we are the black sheep. <laughs> but your niece and nephew are, uh, how old are they? My niece is seven. Okay. Um, And my nephew's 15. So he's been diving, I've taken him diving a few times, and but he lives in Montana. So if he oh, were here, yeah, okay, if okay. he were here, he'd be running the dive shop. Yeah, right. <laughs> Working for, sure, for us. For sure. um, but yeah, that's I'm really excited to get them involved more and get them diving. Okay, good. Next question. So, what keeps you motivated along the way? Like so, for so many people, it's really easy to get into the "been there, done that" hmm. mentality. Right. Mm-hmm. And like you said earlier, I've got all these wrecks. I've dove all these like world famous shipwrecks over and over and over. And they, it becomes routine. Mm. What um, What do you do to keep that excitement going? I don't have that problem. I really don't. I mean, I don't think it ever gets even. You know, like the, I think of the wrecks that we put the mooring buoys on. Been there a whole bunch of times, but I think it's more. No matter what you're doing, whether it's putting a mooring buoy in, whether it's you know documenting a shipwreck, whether it's collecting samples in a you know a sinkhole in in Lake Huron, you're underwater, you know. So I don't feel like I've ever had the like, oh, this is boring. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm underwater, and I'm. It's as soon as you get in the water, I know. After 20 years of doing this, it's always the best feeling. That as soon as you're totally underwater, you're just it's right. Agreed. Yes, it is. I, I mean, I can. You feel better I, right I away. Surely can have a yeah. very fun time in eight feet of water. Right. You know, doing right. something really simple and mundane, right. mm-hmm. and when you you can interact with our underwater world, which mm-hmm. I would say it's harder to be a like a inland lake mm-hmm. diver and get the marine life encounter mm-hmm. than it is to go to Grand Cayman and get the, the marine life encounter, right? When you can get close to close or when you can get really up close with fish mm-hmm. and turtles and, and, and stuff in the water here in Michigan in a lake, you're doing pretty good. Right. Yeah, we're missing the diversity, but we still have the environment. And you, Yeah. I mean, well, and you're still scuba diving. Exactly. And that's I mean, we do that in Union Lake, 8 feet of water, 10 right. feet of water for an hour and a half. Right. Looking at fish, right, or just the act of yeah, actually swimming around, scuba diving, yeah, yeah. going through, Blowing getting bubbles. your gear ready, and and yeah, I think that it's it's always, I don't know, it's just it's such a it's such a really cool thing. I mean, it's a treat that very few people. Mm-hmm. If you look across the planet, very very few people really get to experience our underwater world that way, and here we are, human 
beings, air breathers, underwater. Yes. So it's such a special thing. And I've never, I don't think I've ever lost sight of that. That's good that you still have the excitement for yeah. it. The yeah. Passion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a very special thing that we get to do and that we've, you know, dedicated ourselves to, to doing. And anybody can do it, but truly, what is it, 1% of the population scuba dives? Yeah, and so many people get certified for the one trip that they're doing. Right. Because they got the cruise co- coming up, so they might as well scuba dive. And then of those, so many of them, that's it. Right. They're done with it. So for us, who still have a passion for it, to get in that cold water, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for that same old dive again, but still right. be excited about it. Right. It's kind of unique. It's unique, and it's also, <clears throat> I'd like to say, I recognize that it's a luxury. It, it truly is mm-hmm. a luxury to be able to scuba dive. You know, it's something that we've chosen and we work hard for and we, you know, work our office jobs to pay, to pay right. for it, of course. But, I mean, I think that I realize that, that I'm pretty damn lucky that I get to do this. Whether it's a fun weekend dive, whether it's a teaching dive, whether it's putting a mooring buoy in, I'm I'm very fortunate. I don't um, take that for granted. Yeah, it is a privilege. It's a privilege. Yeah. So, wrapping up, if life worked out differently <clears throat> and you didn't end up diving up here and right. getting this gig at Thunder Bay, the most amazing shipwreck diving place on planet Earth, what uh, where do you think you would have went? Oh my what uh, what would you be doing if if this wasn't your life? Podcast? For sure. Podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> well, I used to do radio announcing, so maybe. Um she'd have stuck with the asphalt. The asphalt, that's maybe I'd be laying asphalt still. Yikes. That's um, a tough job. It's a hard job. Um my family had a has an asphalt company, so oh, I would okay. I would do did almost everything, every aspect of it except for run the paver. I was not that skilled to do that. But I did, um, you know, bid jobs and run projects and wow. shovel asphalt, run the rollers. So maybe I'd be doing asphalt. I don't even go. know how to answer that question. Who knows? Well, did, did you? Um... I didn't have any plans. That's the thing. That's why I think I'm kind of a, like a back So it was around the same time that uh, you kind of fell into the archaeology that brought you here? The asphalt, or well, it what? was around the same time that you were doing <laughs> that you were doing the asphalt that uh, you took the yeah. the avenue of archaeology that led you here. No, no, that was earlier, I guess, when I was in my undergrad, and then I took you know at least a decade off after my undergrad, and that's when I was doing all sorts of different things, okay. you know, bartending, freelance writing, and then I went to work for a museum in Bozeman, Montana called the Museum of the Rockies, which is a very famous dinosaur museum. Awesome place. And so actually now that I'm working through this, answering your question, mm-hmm. maybe I would still be at the Museum of the Rockies, which I love the museum field. Um, it's it's really an amazing job. That's what's probably my favorite part about my job here is that it's so different every day. Like, you know, we have a museum, we have a visitor center, we have um, kids, field trips coming here. We have um, scientists coming here. So I'm, you know, depending on the day, I'm doing such different things. Gotcha. One day you're talking to a a PhD. The next day it's a kindergartner. Exactly. And the next day I might be doing a presentation at the library or going to a shipwreck festival and doing a presentation. And you were kind of doing that back in Bozeman at the the Rockies Museum. Yeah, Museum of the Rockies. I actually was in the exhibits department, um, which was another very different 
thing, um, got to work with the team that was bringing traveling exhibits to the museum. And so I got to, you know, research the different types of exhibits to bring. So that, and thinking about it, maybe I would still be there, which would not be a bad thing. It would be awesome. It's, it's a neat place and another exciting, exciting profession in the museum world. But what I've done, I think, is blended. I've been able to and fortunate to blend all of these things um, in my job here. You know, the freelance writing, I do a lot of writing for my job. Um, we have the museum, so I get to work in the exhibits here. And then the project management and the, um, the research coordination that I do here has really been helped by my background in construction management. And, and bartending, of course, helps all of these things because yes, right? <laughs> you're working with people mm-hmm. and dealing with, you know, personalities and um, public relations, which is a lot of what I do. It's, that's what a bartender does. <laughs> right. So all those, those, those different jobs that I had, I think, really fed into. So I, I guess to answer your question, I could be doing any of those things or still doing a combination of yeah, those things. I like it. Everything that you did kind of has culminated yeah. in uh, making you really good at this job here. Well, I don't know if I'm really good, Going but from, I'm still here. From dinosaur bones <laughs> right. to uh, shipwreck bones, right? right? Yeah, yes. very cool. I like it. Okay, um, so in closing then, we are up here for the Thunder Bay International Film Festival. That's why Brandon and I are up here in Alpena this weekend to see you. And so why don't you... Give the people a little bit of information um, about what we're doing up here, mm-hmm. what this weekend's all about, why uh, why we're having such a great time this weekend, and uh, where they can get more information. Well, I would love to share that. So it's I'm looking out the window right now, and it's a blustery, snowing, beautiful January day here in Northeast Michigan, and we have the Thunder Bay International Film Festival every. January. We've done it for eight years now. And it's an opportunity for us to share the, you know, beautiful underwater world, um, ocean and Great Lakes. And so we show over 60 films throughout the five day festival. And people come from all over. Filmmakers come. And um, I'm inviting everyone to come because it's, it's awesome. If you have an inclination to for scuba diving at all, that's what these films are all about, is our beautiful underwater world. And another treat with the film festival is it really connects the National Marine Sanctuary, which is, you know, where that's where, who I work for, um, the Thunder Bay National Marine Sanctuary. It connects us, the only freshwater National Marine Sanctuary, connects us to our other sanctuary sites that are all, the rest of them are all in the ocean. Um, and it's a great opportunity for us to talk about the National Marine Sanctuary System, which, just like Alpena, Michigan, not a lot of people know about the National Marine Sanctuary System. It's very similar to national parks, um, but we, you know, we protect much more ground, many more square miles. Um, we, there's 13, 14 sites now across the U.S., and like I mentioned, Thunder Bay is the only freshwater one. Uh, there is one south of the equator, um, American Samoa, which is I've had the opportunity to go scuba diving there, which is amazing. Wow. Um, but we're all connected. This National Marine Sanctuary System was uh, started with an act of Congress in 1972, the National Marine Sanctuaries Act, which simply um, charges the system with protecting America's underwater treasures, whether they're natural resources or cultural resources. Obviously, here we focus on the, the cultural resources, the shipwrecks. Right. And the collection of shipwrecks that is here is is so special for a number of reasons. So there's lots of shipwrecks, first of all. We have identified 99 shipwrecks in the 4,300 square miles that um, the sanctuary encompasses in northwestern Lake Huron. Um, so there's lots. So the quantity, 
um, and then the quality of the shipwreck. So that you, as you guys know, you've, you've dove lots of them, um, the, the preservation possible here in the cold, fresh water. Beautiful. Makes for beautiful shipwreck yes. diving, yes. Amazing ship. Some of the best in the world. Um, the schooners with their masts still standing upright. I um, like to think of it as a schooner deep freeze, right? Yes. Because, yeah. I mean, they're, they're unchanged from when they sank. Um, and then, so there's the, the quantity, there's the quality, and then the variety. So there are shipwrecks all over the Great Lakes, you know, some say 10,000. Um, but this little, this big corner that we're at, smack dab in the middle of the Great Lakes, um, has um, those old wooden schooners. It has the, the huge steel freighters. We have wrecks from the earliest documented one in Sanctuary Waters is the New Orleans, a side wheeler, paddle wheeler from 1849 um, up to the, the latest one, the most recent one, recent big one, the Nordmere from 1966, huge steel German freighter. So we've got variety. And, and I'd say that probably the most special thing about the Sanctuary Waters um, is the accessibility. And we, we talked a little bit about that earlier, but how there's the super deep ones. So techni- technical divers from all over will come dive those 300-foot deep shipwrecks. But then there's the, the shallow ones that are, you know, very much still a shipwreck, a little bit less intact. You know, the masts aren't standing upright. But, I mean, there's schooners at, you know, 8 feet deep. Some of my favorite sites are 8 to 20 feet deep. Um, and so you don't have to be a scuba diver to get to these wrecks, to experience this this rich history you can you know kayak to them you can snorkel to them you can glass bottom boat glass bottom boat that's right that's that's the accessibility i think is what is really special i'm glad you said the glass bottom boat because people can i mean when they experience it when they see it with their own eyes or um even if they're snorkeling but they see it through that the the viewing wells that's when the connection happens i mean you can show movies you can have them in the museum but when you get them in the sanctuary and and that's when they get actually connected to the place and that's when you when you have that connection is when people care about protecting the 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 sanctuary and the resources yeah out of sight out of mind for a lot of people don't even don't even think about it right especially if it's underwater that's that's out there correct something else so that's what the national marine sanctuary is all about um and as you guys learned this weekend, I think, it's such a special place to visit, whether it's dive season or, I mean, all seasons are dive season, right? right. We'll be ice diving yes, here soon. Yes. <laughs> but whether it's summer or winter, um, Alpine is an amazing place to visit because of, um, I mean, it's just a special, unique, small small town, but also the the, um, the sanctuary and the shipwrecks. This, this sanctuary is gorgeous, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Mm-hmm. The museum's incredible. The exhibits in here are Top, top notch, no doubt about it. Um, can you take a minute and just let the people know where they can find more information about it? We want to, we will be back up here again next year. Excellent. Um, so we hope uh, some of our listeners do join us for the for the fun next year. But let them know what uh, they need to know to get more information about the National Marine Sanctuary. Well, for Thunder Bay, you can go to thunderbay.noaa.gov, so N-O-A-A. And we are part of the um, Nas- National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Um, so that's our website, and we post all of our events. Of course, Facebook is a great place to go because we do events throughout the year, um, lectures and, and movies throughout the year. So there's there's really always something going on at the National Marine Sanctuary here in Alpena. Um, so go to our website, uh, thunderbay.noaa.gov. Thunder Bay Shipwrecks is our Facebook page. Uh, give You can give me a call directly, um, 989 989- Eight eight four six two one two, and um, would love to have you up here to Alpina anytime. Fantastic.
Now this this was the eighth year, right? Eighth and, year of the you, festival. You were saying the other day that it's the biggest one so far, right? It was a big. Well, we ha- it was a little bit bigger back when we um, premiered the Big Five Dive. Okay, but that was two years ago, I think. But um, it's. I mean, it's been a success and growing every year. Grow. That's what. I yeah. Mean. Yeah. Now we were wondering: is that strictly because of the? Great Dive podcast showing up this year. Do you feel is that one of the major contributors to that happening? 100%. (laughs) Fantastic. All right. And we're thrilled to have you guys back next year for sure. Okay, good. good. With a place of prominence in the exhibits. Awesome. Yeah, we'll do something fun. All right. Well, hey, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. It has been a pleasure. Super fun talking to you guys. And hopefully we'll see you in the water soon. Yes. See you in the water soon. Okay. Thanks, Stephanie. Thank you. Well, all right, there you go. Stephanie Gandula from the Thunder Bay National Marine Sanctuary. And we thank you very much again, Stephanie, for inviting us up to be part of the TBIFF, the Thunder Bay International Film Festival. And we're looking forward to next year, eh, Brendel? Absolutely. I, uh, I just like feeling like I'm kind of a big deal. And when we got the invitation, <laughs> nailed it. She nailed it for it, me. She made my month. It was, uh, it was a little bit of like a red carpet run, wasn't it? Absolutely. Like uh, the, we got, had the, the, the press passes around the necks to mingle with a lot of the important people in and around the Thunder Bay area. But just dealing with Noah in general, filmmakers and scientists coming up and hanging out at this film festival. Oh, yeah. I agree. And... Uh, I think the really nice thing about it is what you get to see of Alpina, how that community has come together around the arts. In particular, this this film festival, I think, is a major role, has a major role in in, uh, bringing the community together. But you see the other arts are there, too, you know, from the giant mural, the underwater mural. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Uh, I mean, just things like that. Alpina in and of itself... uh, fantastic just a great it has that that aura that that feeling you know, a, a, uh, a seaside town you can tell diving is strong there uh the ship you know the it has a long history and heritage and uh working in the in the great lakes and the water i mean it's a sailor's town kind of thing yeah you definitely get that feel and then knowing what what, what you are able to learn by going up to the museum and, and talking to, to any of the people up there at that museum. The vast number of maritime history that with, with the shipwrecks and the lighthouses that she mentions, uh, the availability to be, uh, be in that environment firsthand, whether you're a scuba diver going on recreational dives, technical dives, snorkeling on some of the shallower shipwrecks, glass-bottom boats. I mean, you've got many ways, divers and non-divers alike, to be able to experience firsthand what's going on with that underwater part of our national marine treasures. Oh, yeah, and and Stephanie's right at the, uh, you know, tip of the spear of that. Um, And everyone knows her. I mean, everybody knows Stephanie up there, it seems. Great community, great people. Definitely going back. Yeah, yeah, we had a blast. So, um, yeah, so we were up there at uh, at the end of January for this film festival, uh, and, but we held on to this. We were really hoping to release this episode in conjunction with the 
kickoff of the Great Lakes diving season, which just it doesn't seem like it's ever going to come this year due to coronavirus. So, but we finally wanted to get it out for everybody to uh, get a chance to listen to. Uh, hopefully, diving in the Great Lakes in general, and in particular in that Thunder Bay area, does take off pretty soon. Eventually, we know that it certainly will, though. I'd like to end, in my mind, it would be nice to end with, hey, put this on your calendar for next year. If we have the dates, I don't know if you okay, got those yeah, in yeah. front so of you. Go ahead and, uh, yeah, go ahead and uh, give, a, give a go on that. They don't have dates yet, but it's going okay. to most likely be. So definitely we're going back next year. If you, the listener, have the chance or the opportunity, keep the, the time frame, which is the, that last week of January. It hasn't been announced yet, the specific dates, but that last week of January time frame, that's when they're going, going to be holding the Great Lakes Film Festival up there. Um, the other, the, or not the Great Lakes, I'm sorry. That's when they're, where they're going to be holding the, uh, the Thunder Bay International Film Festival, TBIFF will be held in that last week of January time frame. And it's it's really a whole week, too, isn't it, James? I mean, that's the thing. We only came uh, at the tail end of it. Yeah, we were there for the main part. Which right. They, they have the, the, the big gala event that Friday night and then films going all day Saturday and Sunday. But, yeah, that whole week l- leading up to it, they've got events going at the museum they've got events going at the the local theater in town i think over at at the college they've got stuff going on but that weekend alone it's a fun weekend it is you know we had a blast staying at the hotel up there for the whole entire weekend getting to meet people going out for cocktails after the events meeting some of the filmmakers it was a really good event and uh, I look forward to meeting people up there. Hopefully some of our listeners can meet us up there and uh, we can have an even better time. According to Stephanie, like she said earlier in the program, you know, it keeps growing and growing every year, mostly due to the Great Dive podcast attendance this year. Is what <laughs> took it really over the edge, as we yeah. learned. Hey, that's the power of the Great Dive podcast out there reaching out to the people. Well, there you go. Hey, thanks for uh, enjoying this episode with us, everybody. And we will see you again in the future for another Checkout Now. And thank you, Stephanie. But Gondula, yeah, everybody knows I, me. It's I got another Irish partner in crime here. <laughs> well, yes, you do. Yeah, well, she's kind of real Irish. <laughs> You're just I'm Irish. Are you phony Irish? Yes. <laughs> he just drinks a lot. <laughs> <laughs>